Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Absolutely disgusting, says Victor. On our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780 0063. It's absolutely disgusting. The Oilers are in first place. They are one of two teams in the league who haven't lost three games in a row. Very true. Fans and media are making it seem like the season's over. It's disgusting. How about showing uh, our team some love and support? They're playing their butts off and the team is in first place. We have one of, if not the best GM in the game. We have one of the best coaches in the game and this team is in first place. I'll say it again. Our team is in first place, which means right now they're one of the best teams in the league. Keep your negativity to yourselves. Enjoy watching the game and the team that we love. That's from Victor. It's a hell of a way to kick off Hour 2 of Oilers Now. It's brought to you by Digitex. Don't spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. Your all-in-one convenient location is digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Let's dive right into it. With David Staples from the Cult of Hockey here in Edmonton. David, you heard me read the the text. Do you think there's some merit to that? Do you think that we're piling on a little too soon? Maybe with some recency bias with the lack of success over the last little while. Do you think that Victor's got a point? Or do you think that this team is is deserving of some of the criticism that's come in recent weeks? Brendan, I think if, if this were any other NHL city, you know, that regularly made the playoffs, fans wouldn't be freaking out right now. They'd be thinking, hey, we're, we're doing okay. But in Edmonton, uh, in the Cates era, we've made the playoffs one out of 10 years. And in the decade of Darkness Plus, it's been 12 out of 13. Mm-hmm. And we've seen teams collapse as well. So as recently as last year, so here's the kind of scary, shocking news. We all have a really bad taste in our mouth from last year's team, right? Well, um, last year's team at this point, after 33 games, had 18 wins. This year's team after... 33 games, has 18 wins. So uh, the Oilers last year had scored 95 goals and given up 97. Uh, So that makes minus two. This year they've scored 98 and have allowed 98, so they're even. Last year's team had 39 points at this point in the season. This team has 40 points. So so they're right. They're, They're basically mirror images of each other. They haven't got there in the same way, though. And I personally... Um, I mean, I'm a, listen, I'm an Oilers fan. I've been an Oilers fan since 1972, and I will always be one. And I always, I'm a kind of a glass half full kind of fan. I always try to put the positive spin on it. So I was holding out hope the Oilers would make the playoffs last year, like till mid February, probably even after Connor McDavid had given up. But, um, so I'm not inclined to be negative, And I do think there's some significant differences. And, and the main one is last year, this time, Chris Russell and Oscar Kleffbaum got knocked out, and that absolutely destroyed that team. So um, as long as there's not major injuries on this team, and so far we've pretty much avoided them, uh, I think the winners are, are not in such a bad spot. It's an interesting 
Western Conference right now, when you start to see teams that we talked about with Brian Lawton, like Calgary is coming on, Dallas is coming on, Winnipeg's hit their stride, Colorado and St. Louis atop the Central Division are very good hockey teams. Vegas is pushing from behind, <clears throat> excuse me, in the Pacific Division as well, David. So part of, I think, what's got people a little panicked right now is that the Oilers are staying afloat, but everyone else seems to be surging at a time when the Oilers are slipping up a bit. Yeah, you remember last year, it was, what did they call it, the turtle race? Uh, and so that's why the Oilers were in the playoffs race so long. And this year, it's kind of the opposite. Like, there's teams that, you know, they're coming on, they're strong, there's real competition, and the Oilers are going to, the Oilers are going to face it. But, you know, I like, I know Miko Koskinen played, was inconsistent last year, up and down, but I've liked him almost every game that he's played this year, maybe one or two. And I, and I didn't even hate his game last night when he led in so many goals. Most of them were really, really, they weren't just grade A chances. They were like triple A chances. They were like, you know, it was like, you know, gimme shots that that uh, that uh, almost, you know, you expect an NHL player to make like 70, 80% of the time. They were so hard, those chances. They were ready to open nets. Not his fault. So I like Koskinen. I like the defensive depth much more on the winners this year. Um, they're, they're, they, you know, with, with the addition of both Elib, uh, Ethan, uh, Elib, <laughs> Ethan Bear and Caleb Jones, um, I think they're they're much better off, especially with Barry able to handle tough minutes. And Brennan, a huge difference is, you know, the bottom six were not very good last night, especially on the PK. But they and they haven't been good at even strength all year. Well, they were terrible at even strength all season last year. But they were also terrible on the PK. But this year's team, these guys have been generally getting it done on the PK. They're still ranked eighth overall in the NHL on the PK, and that's due to players like Riley Sheehan and Josh Archibald. This bottom six last year was so slow, so unbearably slow um, with players like Lucic and Brodziak. They couldn't hope to sustain a four-check and keep the puck in the other team's end. At least they, these guys don't score much, but I do see them three, four shifts a game, four-checking the heck out of the other team in the opposition end. So that's another cause for hope. Well, exactly. And, they, you know, <clears throat> pardon me, if, if, if you look in the big picture things are trending way further in the right direction than they have in a long time for this team. But because of the hope that was instilled with that 5-0 and start and and still, even now into mid-December, sitting atop the Pacific Division, I think that because there was that initial belief, now people are starting to jump ship a little bit and saying, here we go again. But, I mean, to me, this is all intertwined, David, in the, in the sort of recent downfall. If you're not scoring, now you're starting to cheat for offense. If you're cheating for offense, you're not playing 5-attack, five 5-back, five which is where they were so successful in the first place and as a result of that your goaltenders aren't are getting more difficult shots they're getting those triple a grade scoring chances against them as you mentioned so and i don't know where that scoring comes from initially or or really whether that was the first part of the problem but to me that's all woven together and we're seeing it on the ice right now what we're seeing yeah i agree and so what we're seeing is a couple players that are really key to the team who are struggling and and every player no matter who it is, is going to go through a slump during the year. So right now we're seeing it from Leon Dreisaitl and Oscar Kleffbaum. Dreisaitl has been a minus hockey player, minus uh, goals plus minus in 12 straight games. And so at the Cult of Hockey, we, we actually we break down the video of all the scoring chances and goals, and he's been a culprit, and actually, he's actually made a mistake, a major mistake, on uh, five of those uh, five of the goals against that he's been on for. Mm. Oscar Kleffbaum, though, has really... His, he's just suffering right now, and I don't know. Maybe it's the, the constant shifting of defensive partners from, you know, Adam Larson to um, 
Caleb Jones to Joel Pearson. But he is minus 15 in the last seven games. Or excuse me, he's had 15 goals scored against him when he's on the ice in the last seven games. And he's been a culprit, Brendan, on nine of them. So he's been on the ice for 15 even strength goals in seven games, a culprit, a major culprit on nine of them. So more than a goal a game, he's making a major mistake that's ending up in the Oilers' net. And that's not Oscar Kleffbaum. He's a better player than that. We all know that. But, again, he's always been a little inconsistent on defense. We're seeing it again, and he's got to find a way to work himself out of it. Um, with Drysaddle, I think the best thing to do would be to, to have him center his own line for a while, tell him your main job is to defend. Defend, defend, defend as a center. And we, we know he's got the skills that everything else is going to come to him, but he just got to simplify his game, cut down on any kind of defensive mistakes, take care of his own end, and the points are going to come from beyond Drysaddle. I might be putting my neck on the line a little bit here as we chat with David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. I don't like what happens to Leon's demeanor when he doesn't have something go the way that he thinks that it should. And and to me, there's a lot of things that I noticed on the ice last night where there'd be a neutral zone turnover, for example, and he's coasting from, you know, across the ice to the bench with his shoulders kind of slumped and that sort of thing. So that leads me to kind of wonder... And I'm not saying that he rides McDavid's coattails. I think that's an egregious overstatement. But does he have the maturity right now? And again, I know I'm probably going to die on this sword, David, but does he have the maturity <laughs> right now to drive his own line? Because to me, he hasn't proven that. Yeah, I just heard 10,000 swords drawn across Edmonton, Brendan, oh, yeah. and they're coming for oh, you yeah. right now. Because people hate the body language comments, right? right. They, they just they, A lot of people detest that. But you know what? I have noticed myself and here I am going to get it stabbed. Uh, I've noticed myself that when he's, what I would say when he's not on a line with Connor McDavid, he, he I, I think I can see it in him now and then. I can, you know, he just loves being on that line with McDavid. And I don't see that kind of, you know, it's kind of more apparent, his frustration. Right. So I just think he wants, I think he's an interesting player. I think it comes from a desire to dominate, to just put up points, to score points, to attack, to be successful. And um, it, it expresses itself in him, him looking down in the dumps if he's not making plays. And also in longer shifts, I think he stays out there longer on the ice, hoping to get that moment where he gets the break and he can go in and attack. And it leads to longer shifts. Him trying too hard, not trying hard enough. I think he tries too hard in a way. He's trying to make it happen. He tries to force passes. He tries to play a more complicated game, get tricky, to get that point, to make something happen. And so I don't think it is a necessarily a negative that Dreisaitl wears his emotions on his sleeve. It's just who he is. And it's part of probably what makes him great, that, that same drive. I mean, I'll take everything about Leon Dreisaitl, including occasional pouting, mm-hmm. along with everything fabulous about this hockey player, and there's a lot of that. So, um, you know, I, I think people need to calm down when people do make the, the body language comments. Um, but it should be in the context of what kind of player that he is, that an emotional player who is desperate, I think, on some level to do well, and, and, and the Oilers are lucky to have him, obviously, on their team. Yeah, and I really like how you put that. It's just he he really feels it. When he's on, he is on. And when he's off, I think that bothers him quite a bit for the simple desire to want to contribute, right? Um, and to me, that's the next step in his game, right? We know that he's he's become a great 200-foot player uh, when he wants to be. And to me, it's just finding that, that inspiration, I suppose, to bring it each and every night. Um, 
why can they not string wins together, David? This has been surprising. You look back to last year, they actually had more. They had five times they went up over three-game winning streaks. The caveat to that is four times they lost five in a row. So we haven't seen either one of those extremes this year, which should be expected when you make two hirings based on uh, stability being the focus. But what do you think about that? They've had a little bit of inconsistent goaltending recently. So we, there was a game recently where Koskinen let in the two-week goals early on. And Mike Smith has been inconsistent. He's had some bad games. And then there, like, there might be a whole different vibe around the Oilers right now, but the other night in overtime, you know, uh, Buffalo comes down and both McDavid and Dreisaitl kind of are, are, are tired, exhausted, and, uh, and they're a, a bit weak on defense. And McDavid, Dreisaitl gets beat in the high slot, and McDavid doesn't cover his man in the low slot, and the puck's in the back of the net. If those guys had scored in overtime against Buffalo, the Oilers got a win there. You know, it's funny. Things, you know, if Jujar Kara makes the play last night in the slot where he overstates the puck, if he bears down and gets that puck when it was 3-3 and moves it. So hockey is often decided by wee little things, and those wee little things are going against the Oilers right now. The, bigger, the biggest issue, though, I think, overall, has been uh, less consistent goaltending. Um, from both Smith and Koskinen, and especially Smith since his big game in Pittsburgh. He struggled, and I don't know if he's battling an injury or not, but he hasn't looked as he did in the first month of the season, and they really need some solid games out of Mike Smith if they're going to challenge for the playoffs, which I think they will. So I, I guess I'm betting that Mike Smith is going to get it together. Chatting with David Staples from the Cult of Hockey here on Oilers Now. It's 118 in Edmonton. Caleb Jones and Joel Pearson have been slotting in in replacement of Matt Benning, who has the concussion. Uh, there's really, for those of you texting and asking right now, I don't have any sort of an update on that, unfortunately. And as is usually the case with concussions, they really don't know until the player says that he's good to go. But David, how bad are they missing his presence on that back end? Such a shame because um, it's not his first concussion. It's getting worrisome. So, uh, you know, our thoughts are with Matt Benning right now. Hopefully he's going to, you know, surmount this and not have troubles again with it. And players certainly have surmounted this, like Sidney Crosby. But um, he was playing the best hockey that he's played since the 2017 playoffs. He was he was really fantastic in those playoffs. But he got banged up after that, and his game has taken a long time to recover. But he was finally he was just playing at a at a really high level. Like for a third pairing defense, Russell and Benning were probably the best in the NHL. I mean, I can't imagine a better third pairing. Maybe there is one out there. I don't, you know, follow every team as closely as I do the Oilers. But Russell and Benning were killing it, um, just making solid plays, so solid in their own zone. So when when uh, Benning went up, you know, they go with Pearson and Jones, and both have more upside moving the puck, or at least as much as, as Matt Benning does. But both are not nearly as um, solid, capable defenders. And I do think Clefbaum's just... You know, this, the switching of defense partners has had an impact on his game, and he just needs to find somebody he can settle down with. Maybe if, if Larson steps up his game, it'll be Larson. But uh, I'm also bullish on Caleb Jones. I think he had his best game maybe as an Oiler last night. Um, he set up the one goal with a point shot. The guy can really move the puck. If he plays with confidence and he decides that he's going to bring his A game at the NHL, which is kind of a hard decision for a player to make, like to actually do that, um, and, and bring it with, with that kind of confidence. But Caleb Jones has an NHL game, and we started to really see it again last night. So I'm, I think that maybe Jones and Clefbaum can turn it around. We'll end with this, David. Give me a quick thought. I know the Forbes rankings of NHL team valuations came out. Where did the Oilers slot in there? The Oilers are the 14th, I believe, most valuable team in the NHL. 
So since Daryl Cates took over the team, he bought them for 170, uh, 170 million U.S. They're now worth 405 million U.S. more than that. And of course, a lot of people are going to lose their cookies over that. The Cates has made so much money, but at the same time, Brandon, the Leafs have gone in those same ten years. The Leafs have gone from being worth 448 million to 1.5 billion. So NHL teams, because of the new collective bargaining agreements, the last two collective bargaining agreements and lockouts, all NHL teams have shot up in value, including the Oilers. That is incredible valuation. I'm surprised, given how passionate the fan base is here, that they're not a little bit higher on that list. But again, with, with the core that they have right now, probably headed in that direction. David, we got to cut you short here, but I do appreciate the time. We'll do it again next week, okay? Thanks a lot, Brandon. Thanks so much. That's David Staples from The Cult of Hockey. You can find his work on the Edmonton Journal and Edmonton Journal website. You can also make sure to go down and see the gang at Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin. Get a no-charge winter performance package on most cars, trucks, and SUVs. Brent Ridge is an eight-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. You can give them a call at 1-877-477-3673 or visit brentridge.com. We'll get your James H. Brown injury report. After a quick timeout, we'll get to more of your text messages as well. Keep them coming at 780-496-0063. Hi, this is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. Where some guests receive gift certificates to Japanese Village Steak and Seafood cooked right at your table. Visit their Edmonton South, Downtown, Northside, and Sherwood Park locations. It is 125 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott with you on the Wednesday edition. And that means that coming up after the 130 news here on 630 Chad, John Shannon, our NHL insider, will update us on uh, the uh, the results of the Board of Governors meeting. I think I said off the top of the show that this was day three. I'm pretty sure it's only a two-day thing. We'll have John straighten that up. Uh, you know, color me red for not knowing that. Uh, but we'll get that sorted out and find out what uh, what this reckoning of recent weeks means for this league moving forward. But right now, we're going to go to the James H. Brown Injury Report brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Attorneys. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Habs forward Jesperi Kokaniemi placed on the injured reserve with an upper body injury he suffered against Colorado last Thursday. It is a concussion. He did get blown up by Nikita Zadorov. So Ryan Paling was summoned along with defenseman Christian Feline from AHL Laval. The Avalanche expect Nazem Kadri to return from a three-game absence tonight. He was hurt against Toronto, ironically, last week. And wild forward Eric Stahl left the last game with a head injury is questionable for tomorrow against the Edmonton Oilers. We will have more on that. A reminder, that game is available here on 6.30. Ched, it is a 4.30 City Ford face-off show, 6 o'clock puck drop. So mark that on your calendars. Uh, a couple quick text messages here at 780-496-0063. Texter says that Ryan Nugent Hopkins is missing a trigger man. Neil's the net front presence. A partner for Ryan Nugent Hopkins is key. I also think the line juggling needs to stop. Shuffling is uh, ruining the gel between guys. Well, I do agree with that on, on some levels. The question is where does that trigger man come from? Is it Josh Anderson, as another texture has suggested? Get that player while the value is low and when the player is available. He might not be available in the offseason. 
Yeah, I agree with that. And if you look at by low opportunities, Anderson, in my opinion, a quintessential Western Conference player, especially after a 47-point breakout season last year, he's somebody that the Oilers could be targeting restricted free agent after this season. John Shannon coming up after a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.